Hello, and welcome to the Sabbatarianism podcast. We're glad that you are here. Uh, we want to encourage everyone uh, to start by reading your Bible first and then coming back to the Sabbatarianism podcast and starting in the beginning. Uh, we had somebody give us a suggestion that we make each episode stand alone, that we need to explain each thing we say in the episode as if the person had not listened to the previous however many episodes. And I said to that person, that's just not possible. <laughs> no, <it's> not. <laughs> the, the history of the covenants was 13 hours worth of, uh, of information, and we're not going to repeat that every time we say something from the, that is about that. Uh, Dr. Michael Heiser, in, in his uh, podcast, the, the Naked Bible podcast, he, he of course has passed, but they did that. He, he just flat out said, I'm not going to repeat what I believe every single time. Go to the beginning, read read my about my beliefs, and then you'll be caught up. So yeah. we want to encourage everyone to do that here. Please start from the beginning and catch up to this point if you are starting here indeed. So my name is Justin. I have with me Mr. Richard Davis. Hello, Richard. Hello, Justin. And Mr. Neil Saul, who is now a regular Hello, Neil. <laughs> Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon. All right. So we've been off for a couple of weeks. You'll hear this the very next episode, but we I had a, a little business trip I had to take, so we had a couple of weeks off, and we're back at it here. We are going to start back in the book of Luke, and looks like we're going to pick up in chapter 7. Um, so, Richard, are you going to read? Yes, I can. Will, will you do that for us? I will. All right, so... Uh, starting at Luke 11. Seven. Seven. Seven, seven yeah. Seven, eleven. No, verse <laughs> 1. Now, when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. And a certain centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom... He should do this was deserving, for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with him, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourselves, for I am not worthy that you should enter my, under my roof. Therefore, I will not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, and my servant will be healed, for I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you that I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent, returning to the house, found the servant well who had been sick. So let's talk about why Jesus marveled at that. Well, he just said that that's amazing to find such faith in the people in Israel, nobody even in Israel that I've... Yeah, this, this man is, Roman, is a centurion. Yeah, he's, he's Roman. Roman. Yeah, and uh, it just goes to show you. Well, and I've often wondered if this was not the centurion that, was it Paul was sent to? And, and he was Peter. baptized, Peter? Peter it was, yeah. Yeah. Don't know. Don't know. Doesn't, doesn't tell us. But his faith was that Jesus didn't need to come all the way to him, that he wasn't even worthy of Jesus coming all the way to him to just say the word, and he knew that that was enough. That's right. And that's, his, that's, that's where the faith was. Yes. And we can all learn a lot from that small little exchange right there. Well, and I yes. can't help, you know, it says he built a, a synagogue for him, that he had knowledge of the the Jewish religion, if you want to call that. At least it was sympathetic toward it. Yeah. Yeah. Verse 11, finally. Now it happened the day, <laughs> after, the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him in a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. 
So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. Then the disciples of Jesus reported to him. John. John the Baptist's disciples. Sorry. Then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And that very hour he cured many of the infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. The poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. When the messengers of John had departed, he began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see, a reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments. Indeed, those who are gener- gorgeously appareled and live in luxury are in king's courts. But what did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet the John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. There's a lot to unpack here. Yeah. So we've we've talked at length, maybe even on this podcast, I don't remember, they, they blend together what we talk about in our weekly study and what we talk about on here, but we've talked about John the Baptist, why Jesus gave him the answer that he did of, well, tell him. Go and tell him the things you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. Uh, Why did Jesus give that explanation as an answer to the disciples? Remember when he came into, uh, when he started his ministry. Yeah. Okay, he went into the synagogue, and he he quotes... uh, Isaiah 61. That's the gospel. And that's the gospel. And and it, it mentions those things that he mentioned to them. Uh, maybe Is that where you are, Richard? No. I'm in Isaiah 8. Okay. Beginning in verse 11. For the Lord spoke to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people, saying, Do not say a conspiracy concerning all this people call a conspiracy. Be not afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. The Lord of hosts, him you shall hallow. Let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. He will be as a sanctuary, but a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, as a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. This is a prophecy of Christ. And among, and many among them shall stumble. They shall fall and be broken, be snared and taken. Bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples, and I will wait on the Lord who hides his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. Here am I and the children whom the Lord has given me. We are for signs and wonders in Israel, for the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. So there was a clear prophecy that, and there was an important reason why Christ's coming would be with tremendous signs and miracles and wonders to prove he was the Messiah, even when he sent his disciples out. To To prove they were his disciples. Yes. That was the proof. And that he was. He had the power of God. And this this is a long story, but it, you know, this whole thing shows the superiority of God over pantheism and nature worship and creation worship and all this mystic religions we see around that think that God is this ethereal thing that we're trying to live up to and live in harmony with, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, 
he showed that he had the power to suspend the that, laws of nature. Yeah. Yeah. To, uh, he had the power over this stuff. Uh, you know, he walks on water. That's not according to the, the physical laws of what well, we call the law the of nature. The ultimate one of raising someone from, from the, the dead. From the dead, yes. This this was a sign that he he had power over all of it. It may, you know, certain parts of these religions have a show of godliness, but in but deny the power uh, thereof, the Bible says. This is his ultimate bona fide, yeah. right? This, this demonstrates that he is the Messiah. That's right, he is. And John the Baptist w- would have known this, and that's why he gives him the answer. He wants to know whether I'm the one, go back and tell him what you've seen. And, and Jesus, when he started his ministry, uh, quotes Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And th- th- I'm reading this out of uh, Luke 4. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He mentioned that. Mm-hmm. He, he sent me to pardon, the, to proclaim liberty to the captives to re- and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to pro- proclaim the year of the Lord. There you go. Yeah. Now, John the Baptist, knowing God's word, would recognize that by what he saw. And when his disciples came back and said, you know, he's... This is what he said, and this is what we saw, because it says that he did it in their scene here, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That very hour, he cured many of infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits. Yeah. So they would have seen it with their own eyes. Yeah. They would see, yeah, yes. we saw it. Yes. So, okay, the, this next exchange here where the Messiah is asking them, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? What, where, where's he going with that? He's talking to the people because John's messengers right? have left. And so he's bringing that up to them. You know, why did you go out there? Right. Where is your heart at? To a degree. Why did the Pharisees go out there for a different reason than well, what a lot of the people were going out well, there Well, he for? will develop this in the scriptures okay. we're about to get into because okay. he's, he's, he shows, he, he ends in, in verse 35 by saying, but wisdom is justified by all her children. Now, that's the conclusion of what he's leading up to. Mm-hmm. Okay. In verse 29, he says, When all the people heard him, even the tax collectors justified God, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers, or the scribes, rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. So that means they had not been willing to repent of their former their, sins. Their of their heart religion. wasn't there. That's right. They're still in the bond woman relationship. That's right. Which is why they they asked, or he asked at the beginning of this, what did you go out to see? Yeah. You know, why did you right. go out there? What were you doing there? Where's yeah. your heart? What, what does this mean to you? And right. the Lord said, to what then shall I liken the men of this generation? What are they like? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another saying, we play the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourn for you, but you did not weep. For John the Baptist came neither taking bread nor drinking wine, and you say, he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children. By all her children. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that just means wisdom that's a personification of wisdom is justified by the fruits of what come from wisdom. And obviously he's making a point that these guys are stupid. Their heart isn't right. It doesn't even matter to them. I mean, they look and they see something and it, it's no proof to them. Uh, John the Baptist came doing one thing and they condemned they rejected it, him and jesus came doing exactly the opposite and they rejected him right. so what are you looking for their heart uh, wasn't I mean, there for god there's no wisdom period. in that yeah no wisdom and that's what that's he he means but wisdom is justified or made uh proven to be just and right by those fruits that come from her those children that practice it well, and to a degree, he's chastising there the, the, the scribes and Pharisees right. for yes. their self-righteousness. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yep. There's no pleasing them because of the nature of their hearts. 
verse, what is that, 36? 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he spoke to him saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors, one who owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one he forgave more. And he said to them, You have rightly judged. Then he returned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears, wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You got to wonder how this guy knew what kind of woman she was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Maybe she had a reputation. Who knows? It's just, uh, it makes a point when we tend to think of ourselves as righteous compared to other people. We tend to look less for God's love and put God in our life and our need for him. And when we do that, we're less thankful. Well, and you see the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. In the old covenant, these guys are saying, that woman is a sinner. Like, yeah, she, and in the new covenant, we look around and go, we're all sinners. We're all sinners, right. That's right. It's different. Yeah. Re- yeah, we're ready to go to eight, Chapter I think. eight. That's all I have. And it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village preaching with bringing the glad preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, Joanna the wife of Shusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. And when a great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables that, seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. And they are again quoting the Old Testament there. I don't know which one. Well, but it's quote, it's uh, Isaiah six, I believe. Okay. And the, this is a very important thing here because God uses this justly throughout his relationships with men. And he did it all through Israel to those who, who have been given, had been given something and yielded fruit, you know, they were given more. And those who did not, then the understanding was taken away from them. And he he talked about this, I believe, in Matthew 13, where he said the reason he spoke in parables there was because these other people he was talking to were not given to understand. Their heart wasn't ready for it. No, he didn't want them to understand. He had come to cut them off because their hearts weren't right. 
But he would then went on to explain these things to his disciples because it was given to them. I was excuse me, just going to point that out in, in Matthew's account in chapter 13. It says the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? You know, Luke doesn't tell you that. So so they're they're asking the question. Yeah. Why? Why do you speak in these weird parables and, and not weird uh, but uh, different well and there's a reason for it you know yeah. to, to you it was given but to them it wasn't uh, in mark chapter four it's similar but one distinction in this section of, of you know what do they call it the uh, gnostic gospels or no synoptic uh, synoptic yeah uh if you if you don't understand this i guess it's in the explanation of the parable Mm-hmm. How, how can you understand any of them? Which makes me think that it's important to have an understanding of what this parable is about. If you well, want the purpose of this parable, and if you want to understand any of the others, yeah, we want to make sure that we we are the seed that fell on good ground. But go ahead, Richard. Let's let's now have the, him. Okay, verse eleven. Now the parable is this: the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while and and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares and riches, pleasures of life, and bringing and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. There it is. There it is. That's explanation. And no, we, all, we all know, if, if you've spent much time in, in Christianity and in following the Messiah, you've, you've seen this in action, you know, where, yes. where people are, are very... Uh, they're gung excited ho. and gung yes. ho, but then they they fall away. You know, something and, takes them away. Or and they begin to think, or, "Wait yeah. a minute, that sounds good, but if I do it, look what I've got to change." You know, that don't sound so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if we don't bear fruit and it, it, with patience, it says, "Yes," then you know you're a discredit to to the faith, basically. And and many people, especially you know, in the Christian traditional Christianity, get offended because they they don't they don't have, bear any fruit. You know, you go there and they're offended because of whatever reason, whatever they do. Well, and, and the Messiah outlines it right here: having heard the word with a noble and good heart. He's telling us right there: it's about your heart. That's right. Verse 36, 16. 16, okay. No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sits it on a lampstand that those who may who enter may see the light. For nothing is, is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Therefore, take heed how you hear, for whoever has to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. There again, that's a legal, we went through that in the history of the covenants. That's a legal proclamation of justice that God uses throughout history with man. If he gives you something to do and you don't, you're not faithful with it, he'll even take that from you. The parable of the talents, it's the same, same principle. You bear fruit. You don't hide the light underneath a bed, and, and yeah, sh- you know, so no one can see the light. You've got to bear good fruit. And you have to live the life you profess. Yeah. Then his mother and brothers came to him and could not approach him because of the crowd. And it was told him by some who said, "Your mother and your brother are standing outside, desiring to see you." And he answered and said to them, "My mother and my brethren are those who hear the word of God and do it." Big point there. Yeah. Not just people who have a physical connection with you, but those who are the same spirit and live the same way. Well, in, in the Matthew, same heart. Yeah. In the, that uh, in the synoptic, Matthew says that he who does the will of my father. Mm-hmm. And Mark says he, he who does the will of God. 
So you know, I mean, and those here, are the those are his mother and brother. Yeah, that's okay. right. And here, yeah. here is you know, Luke just says he, he he who hears the word of God and and does it. Yeah. Well, similar. I mean, if you're doing the will of God, then you're doing it. But yeah, just hearing it ain't going to get you there. Well, and you right. uh, to a, build on what he said earlier, you have to have the ears to hear it before you can actually hear it. Well, and your you heart to, has to be right. Right. You, you got to have a heart to do it, and then you have to carry forward and bear fruit. Yep. Now, it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. A windstorm came up on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to them, Where's your faith? There again. Yeah. Same thing. And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. They've seen him heal a dead man. But the they bring still, a dead man yes. back to life. Yeah. But still their faith is, is yeah. weak. And, and we can't say that we would be any different. I know. Yeah. And, and this goes to the point that he, he, he has power over... The wind and the water and nature and everything. Nature, yeah. yeah. Then they sailed to a country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him with a loud voice, said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered him, and they begged him that he would not command, command them to go out into the abyss. Now a herd of many swine was spreading there on the mountain, feeding there on the mountain. So they begged him that he would permit them to enter them, and he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. When those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They also, who had seen it, told them by what means he, had, he who had been demon-possessed was healed. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the gatherings asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear, and he got into the boat and returned. Amazing. Amazing, but once again, it goes to show he wasn't dealing with them people at that those people at that time. Yeah. Now the man from whom the de whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, "Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you." And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. And uh, Mark tells you that there were two thousand pigs. Okay. And for whatever reason, Luke says that there were two men. That there were two men here? <laughs> yeah. Okay. With demon-possessed. Matthew did? or Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, one in part I find interesting is, I beg you, do not torment me, this demon says mm -hmm. to him. And also, and they, being the demons, begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Which is a place of their final judgment. Right. It's not time yet, right? Yeah. You're not going to make us go there yet, right? I yeah. mean, that's what they're asking him. And they, they had no doubt in their mind that he had the power to send them whenever he chose. That's right. Verse 40, so it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him. They were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. 
for he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitude thronged him. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you, and you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceive power going out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him, in the presence of all the people, the reason she had touched him, and how she was healed immediately. And he said, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered her saying, answered him, saying, Do not be afraid. Only believe, and she will be made well. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, Do not weep, she's not dead, but sleeping. But they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside, took her by the hand, and called, saying, Little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned, and she rose immediately. And he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Yeah, that story about the lady that was healed by him, that chokes me up. Um, but I would also point out that the same as, as with the person earlier, your faith has made you well. Yes, she believed. Right. And he it was said, her heart was yes. right. Yes. If her heart was wrong, she could have grabbed him by the garments and not. That's right. Not been healed. So her it, heart was right. It just goes to prove that, you know, our faith and our relationship with God is established by a symbiotic relationship it's not just we doing nothing and not just begging him with the wrong heart that's right or for the wrong reasons or for the wrong reasons yeah all right we ready to go on to chapter nine are we yeah we got time this is a long one but i i think we got time then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said to them, Take nothing for the journey, neither staffs, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And whoever will not receive you, then you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. It's notable that he is now giving them power to do the same thing that he's been doing. And why does he tell them not to take their staffs, nor a bag, nor bread, nor money? Because the laborer is worthy of his hire. Like Paul was saying. That's right. But he's, he's at, at the same time, he's just following the principle that he later said, you know, into... In what we call the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. God doesn't promise you, and he certainly doesn't promise his disciples or anyone he uses to send forth and preach truth that they can make a big bunch of money from it. It's not the Joel Osteen, no. you, God wants you to have a Ferrari no. message. In fact, you know, in the example in the the law was that even the priest couldn't say what he was given that day and lay it up for the next day. If you're going to represent God, you can't be double-minded. You can't have a, an ulterior motive or an extra motive in there. I'm going to worship God so that I can get a Ferrari. That's right. <laughs> or if I can lay up for myself. It's, yeah. it's about sticking to the truth and being pure in your motive. Well, and if they were doing their job, they would be taken care of along the way anyway. That's right. Whoever house they entered, they would That's get right. fed and mm -hmm. a place to sleep and so on. That's right. Mark's uh, uh, synoptic of that is about the same. Okay. Matthew includes one point 
says, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans. Okay. Mm. But, it, but later he does send them out to the Gentiles right. specifically. Yeah. But, but, but here he sent them to the lost, lost sheep, sheep of the house of Israel. Exactly. Here. Yeah, because the time for legal time to open it up to the Gentiles doesn't occur until the time of Acts 10, which is after Christ mm. had been crucified. But legally, if he's, as we talked about in the history of the covenants, he has promised that he will first offer this to the children of the northern kingdom. And there will be some Jews among them. You read that in Ezekiel 16. You read it in but what? The, Jeremiah the Jew, 2 and 3. The Jews and the people of the northern tribes are intermixed with the Gentiles out in the world at this point. That's that, who he's sending them out. That's to. right. But he's saying don't target the Gentiles. Okay. Don't go into the Gentiles. Says, Seek the place where the children of the kingdom, the Israelites, are, and then that's who you preach it to, and then do miracles. And once again, if their mind is right, being open like he witnessed about what John the Baptist asked him, they would recognize him. If not, dust off their feet, you dust off your feet against him. And they would be put away from the light or in outer darkness in the same legal position of Judah, who he's come to cut off. And even what they have will be taken away. That's right. And I can't help but think that uh, there were communities that they knew of that were Israelites. Yeah. Because because how would you, you know, there were some Israelites left in the northern kingdom, and they would become part of the Samaritans, intermixed with the uh, uh, Assyrians, I guess, that were brought in to replace the captives. Yes. But there were also some that had left, had uh, flee, went to the mountains and would have moved back and they would live in their own communities and keep separate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, I think the people in Judea knew who they were. Likely. And that's where they're being sent to. Okay. God is, is carrying out legally what he's promised in the law and the prophets right here. Now here, the Tetrarch heard of all this, all that was done by him, and he was perplexed because he said, because it was said by some that John had risen from the dead, but by some Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the old prophets had risen again. Herod said, John, I have beheaded, but who is this of whom I hear such things? So he sought to see him. And the apostles, when they had returned, told him all that they had done. And he took them out and went aside privately into a deserted place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. And when the multitudes knew it, they followed him, and he received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. And when the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, Send the multitudes away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions for we're in a deserted place here. And he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people, for there are about 5,000 men. Then he said to his disciples, now notice, it says 5,000 men here. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say there were 5,000 people. Right. In, in other gospels, I believe it does say 5,000 men plus women and children or, yeah. and women and children. Yeah. There were more than 5,000. Right. And he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and two fishes and looked them up into heaven. He blessed and broke them and gave them to, to the disciples to sit before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. And it happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him. And he asked them, saying, Who is the crowd? Who do the crowd say that I am? So they answered and said, John the Baptist. But some say Elijah, and others say that one of the old prophets has risen again. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, The Christ of God, or the Messiah of God. And he strictly warned and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things 
and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised the third day. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, to him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. Why does he say that? <laughs> yeah. The kingdom of, because they're going to, the transfiguration is coming up. That's right. Hold it. Explain that, please. What do you mean? They will see him in his glory. In the kingdom of God. And that's what they did. And then it, the, right after this, we'll read of the transfiguration where they saw him with Moses and Elijah. Oh. In a vision. Okay. And Peter's confession there that Jesus is the Christ. Uh, Paul, or, uh, um, and it's the same wording here as what was just said about Herod, right? Herod was perplexed, and some say it was Elijah. Some say, so it's the same discourse that he now has with his disciples, right? right sure. Mm-hmm. Who do you think I am? Who do you say? Well, uh, it's in Matthew's account of that that he says, uh, Blessed are you, Simon Barjon, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my father who is in heaven, and then he goes on and says, you, will, you are now Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and so on. Mm-hmm. Which has been, you know, distorted by Christianity through the centuries and millennia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That Peter is the, the primacy of Peter, I guess they yes, call it. Yes, that's not what he was saying. No. Well, Peter would start by building to the Jews first. And then Paul would be the next rock to come along and well, take it to the Gentiles. Yeah, they were laying the, the foundation. The they were probably all rocks. Laid on the foundation of the the apostles and the prophets and Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. So, yeah, yeah we, Christ could have said the same thing to all the rest of them. Well, and, and then there's the wordplay that Peter is a small rock, the word in the in the Petros. Greek, Petros. Pebble, yeah. And and the, you know, upon this rock, it's like a... a the Petra. Yeah. Which is Christ. And it's a, it's, a, it's a boulder. Yes. You know, not a pebble. Okay. Verse 27. 28, I think. Now, it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. As he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered. His robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him, who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke to his, spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. But Peter and those with him who were heavy with sleep, and when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Then it happened as they were parting from him that Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were fearful as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son. Hear him. When the voice had ceased, Jesus was found alone. But they kept quiet and told no one in those days any of the things they had seen. We... we- we're doing okay on time here. I'm, I'm still trying to work through what, what you said earlier, Neil, about he's telling them that this is coming. And and the uh, the thing that I've always wondered is what what's the actual purpose of this transfiguration? Because it's in all all of them, right? Is it in all four? It's not in John. It's not. No. Okay. And John was actually one of them that was there. Mm-hmm. But what? What's the takeaway from this transfiguration scene? What do you think it is? I don't know. Well, it had its purpose in order to prove and show them something, obviously, because he told them they would see it, and then eight days later they saw it, or they witnessed that in a vision. 
And, it, and it's, it, it, we're told that his face, his, his, the appearance of his face was altered, and yeah. his clothes became dazzling white. So, in my opinion, he's uh, exposing his glorified body mm. be, before his resurrection. And which, Moses and Elijah are not risen from the dead. This is a vision that's been given to these disciples sitting there. It, it would appear that way, but they may have actually been there. I mean, you, you can't put any limits on God's abilities. It's like uh, when Saul calls up Samuel. Yeah, was that's that, a good was example. That, was that really Samuel? Well, most people say, oh, that was just a, a spirit or whatever. No, I th- he says. He said, why have you called me up before my time? Yeah. Yeah. So God allowed that for a purpose, and I think he allowed Elijah and, and Moses to be there for a purpose. And not only that, but because of the conversation, Peter knew who they were. He didn't have. A, he didn't ask him, who, who, who's that guy? Right. You know, he's, hey, this, he's talking to Peter, uh, to, to Moses. He's talking to Elijah. And when, then he wants to build a booth. And I like what the Spirit says. This is my my beloved son. Listen to him. All three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, have that. You Obey know, him. When, when his, uh, at his baptism, he just said, this is my beloved son. In whom I am well pleased. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and now he's saying, you know, listen to him. Okay. That, that, to me, that's important because it, that it, I've done this several times. Read through the Gospels and just read the red letters. Mm-hmm. Read what Jesus says and study those because you want to listen to him. Yeah. You know. Many books have been written, Solomon said. There's no end to the writing of books, but the words of the one shepherd are the words we need to listen to. That's mm-hmm. right there at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes. Verse 37. Now it happened on the next day when they had come down from the mountain that a great multitude met him. Suddenly a man from the multitude cried out, saying, Teacher, I implore you, look on my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him, and he suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth, and it departs from him with great difficulty, bruising him. So I implored your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. And as he was still coming, the demon threw him down and convulsed him. Then Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the child, and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the majesty of God. But while everyone marveled at all the things that Jesus did, he said to his disciples, Let these words sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. But they did not understand this saying. And it was hidden from them so that they did not perceive it, and they were afraid to ask him about the say. Then a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a little child and set him by him, and said to them, Whoever receives this little child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all will, all be, will be great." at least in your own eyes. Mm -hmm. Then John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and you forbade him because he does not follow us. We forbade him because he does not follow us. And Jesus said to him, Do not forbid him, for he who is not against us is on our side. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, he entered a village of Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him, because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah (laughs) did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You did not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. You know, I just pause there. 
They didn't have the spirit, the power, the faith to cast out certain demons. But boy, they thought they had the faith to de- to destroy people that disagreed with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's still so, working with them. Very There's selected. still works in progress like we all are, right? Yeah. These were men. Because they didn't ask him to do it. They said, do you want us to do it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and they didn't. I mean, they, they may have had a, a, a portion of the Holy Spirit, but not until the day of Pentecost would they actually receive that. Yeah. Yeah, and they didn't have it like he had it. No, they never did. No, yeah. no, but none of us will. Right. And that happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of air. Birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, for you, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And he's talking about spiritually dead people that are concerned with the things of this world. Let them do that, but you have something greater to do. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you. But let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now that's something that there that uh, uh, someone from an agrarian society would have known what he's talking about. Like when you're working a horse like that and you got a plow behind it, you don't turn from looking at what the horse is doing and you could get seriously hurt. You could hurt the horse. You could damage your field. It's, it's you got to keep your mind in what you're doing here is what he's saying. Right? Well, I mean, that's that's the lesson. That and if you're plowing a field with a horse and you look back, you're probably going to. It ain't going to be straight. It's not going to be straight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You got to leave the past in the past. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it. We're, we're, we're out of pace of just. Three chapters a week, but but I personally I really like the pace. I, I like kind of s- stopping and, and talking about what what our Messiah is saying as we go here. So really like this uh, this study. And uh, do you guys have anything else to offer today? Nope. I think I I'm done. Okay. Well, let's wrap it up here. We thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye bye.